This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5. Hi, my name is Rachel. I used to rock a pretty sick mohawk. I can write upside down and backwards, and I'm an Aquarius. Hi, my name is Joshua Robbins. I am a Kabbalistic astrologer. I was born in Alabama, and I speak fluent Spanish. Hey, I'm Janelle. I'm a Leo, a sweet potato fry lover, and I like to point at things with my toes. We are your hosts of the True North Collective Podcast. Today, we are welcoming Joshua Robbins, a Kabbalistic astrologer who helps people by using the spiritual wisdom of Kabbalah in combination with astrology. In 2007, he started studying and practicing the ancient spiritual wisdom of Kabbalah and astrology with a personal teacher and friend. He does a lot for his clients, but in short, he helps his clients lead happier and more fulfilling lives. We are beyond excited to be welcoming Joshua to the podcast today. I was trying not to laugh. (laughs) You're allowed to laugh. Yeah. Totally allowed to laugh. Oh my gosh. It's so true though. It's fun. I don't know why, but I always do that, especially if my hands are full and I like to high kick too. More to come I like to high kick. So very Leo of you. Anything to be... Yes, I'm my newly discovered, well, maybe not newly discovered, but maybe newly defined uh, Leonis. <laughs> uh, I didn't like mention I was a Libra. I feel like I didn't, I didn't fill everybody in in my, in my sign, so sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, you're good. I get to balance the two extremes, you know, Leo and Aquarius are... Are they? They're extremes. Yeah, they're polar signs. They're 180 degrees apart from each other. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. so I get to be the balance between you two. And yeah. I love that. <laughs> podcast I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) I love that though because I feel like Rachel and I like she's the ying to my yang and that that kind of makes sense because we balance Uh each other out then maybe (laughs) yeah I think we do do. that's super fun Janelle Janelle do you point with your whole foot or just your big toe Ooh, I mean like my big toe is my pointer but obviously everything's kind of together but like it's it's definitely like a pointed foot with the big toe leading to the Sticking action. Out. I, yeah. That's how I do it too. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know in Latin America they point with their mouths. You ever seen them do that where they're like with their oh, mouth no. point yeah, totally. at things with their mouth? Yeah. That's very Latin American. My 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 Colombian boy, boyfriend does that a lot so I learned that from him. So if you want to point with other things, Rachel, you also got your, your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> The toe. Or Janelle, rather. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. So, Janelle, you get to point with your toes, and Rachel gets to point with her mouth. Yeah. It's a nice balance. (laughs) That's super interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen, I guess, like, is it like the chin? Like the chin does the movement? Yeah, it's like they, they it's like they raise their head just up a little bit and they like mm-hmm. pucker their lips up and they're, mm, 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 uh, it's over there. Está por ahí, if you want to say. <laughs> That's super fun. I also I'm do a good. head tilt. It's like whenever I I get like, and when I'm thinking really hard, I tilt my head to the side. <laughs> it's kind of like a point. I was gonna say, have you ever lived down in South America, Joshua? No, but I've been. I've I've, I've visited. It's yeah. Beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, we went to, well, my boyfriend's Colombian. So mm-hmm. we went to Colombia, obviously. I've also been to 
Uh, I've been to Mexico. I've been to, and it doesn't count, but I've been to Puerto Rico. Um, but yeah, those are the three places that I've been. Um, it's beautiful. Colombia is so, so gorgeous. I mean, you just, you really can't. I mean, if you've ever been out in, um, like in the Rocky Mountains, like you know, uh, Utah, um, yeah. Colorado area, you know, you know the beauty of the mountains. But those yeah. mountains are like. You know, those they're those coniferous forests where it's all pine trees. But yeah. these mountains are covered in, like, tropical plants. And there's Ugh. flowers. And it's just uh. so rich in color. And what's really cool is that where he's from, it, it's like the, the coffee region. It's where they grow all the coffee beans. Mm-hmm. And they what's really neat about it is they grow them. They grow the coffee plants, like, on the mountains. Like, they're going up yep. the mountains. Yeah, you know what I mean? totally. And it's the wildest thing. And, you know, they have people who go out there and climb the mountains with a basket and mm-hmm. pick the beans by hand. That's what makes Colombian coffee so good. It's because they're hand-picked because they can't take a machine over it, right? So people go out there and they look with their eyes to see, is this bean right? Is it not? And they throw it in the bag or the basket. And yeah. so that's why, like, you know, you get the ripest, freshest coffee from Colombia because it's not, like, you know, raked up with a giant machine that's going right. across the field. But it's beautiful, and the people I'd, are so nice. I'd do that job. I think that'd be fun. I'm sure it's a lot like, harder than <laughs> thinking it is. It worries me about my ankles. Like, what will my ankles do? <laughs> Why? What's wrong with mean, your ankles? No, I mean, just like, you know, you're on an angle, and, like, you have to yeah. walk funny. You know, I mean, I, because it's no super way, steep. I do it. I love it. Oh, it's so steep. It's like, I don't know, like. There's like, a job. There's a job that you can do that I found out about in Vancouver when I lived there where you can be a skyscraping window washer. It's oh, like a legit job. No, I was no. like, I I want to do that. Oh, <laughs> you have to have crazy enough. insurance, but that would be sweet. Do you have no fear of heights then? Who, me? Yeah. I mean, it must be a lot less than what most people have. <laughs> yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't claim heights as a true fear fear of mine but I can be fearful of them enough that I don't think I'd want my full-time job to be a window washer of skyscrapers (laughs) I I, I try it though I'd try it for a day I'd try it it I would try it don't get me wrong but I don't think I'd want like that would be way too much anxiety for me (laughs) that's such an Aquarius thing it's like I know I want this thing that's so like nobody else will do you know what I mean (laughs) And you're like way up there in the sky. You know, Aquarius is an air sign, right? But it's like, like it's like way out there. You know really? what I mean? Like, yeah. I always tell people like, don't put me in a box. But you, I am such an Aquarius. So just get ready. <laughs> your box is out of the box. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, Joshua, have you always spoken Spanish, or was that something recently learned? No. Well, it's interesting. You know, I grew up, like I said in my intro, I grew up in in Alabama. Um, I was born to a pretty conservative. um, I mean, my parents are, you know, relatively, I guess, centrist politically but you know the the culture that there is pretty conservative and my grandparents are southern baptist and so the only real awareness of people from latin america were uh mexicans um mm. because you know there's a lot you know a lot of the a lot of them are migrant workers that will that will come through there um and they'll you know they'll work on some of the fields and you know they you know, they work there. And that was the only kind of interaction I ever had. 
And then um, my parents divorced when I was 13. And then my mom remarried, and my mom and my stepdad moved to South Florida when I was 17. And so culture shock like crazy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> truly was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, mm. Just because I knew that, you know, I never, I didn't fit in very well there. And uh, the culture there just wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't cut from that cloth. Mm. And so I moved to South Florida and the first year uh, that I started high school there, which was my junior year, uh, I had to start taking a foreign language and everybody was from, you know, all these different countries. So I was like, holy moly, you know, there's more than one country that speaks Spanish in this world, you know, and you're super, you're super like sheltered um, in in Alabama, but I wanted to know what they were saying. Mm -hmm. I was like, what are they talking about? I've got to know. And I'm like, well, if I can learn a language, I might as well, you know, it was either like Spanish, French or American Sign Language. And I thought, well, I can use Spanish down here. So I started learning and I just never stopped, and I kind of fell in love with it. Um, yeah, it, you know, astrology is also like a language. It's it's, yeah. it's learning the language of of the stars. While it, it is a science to you know calculate the planets, to know where they are, how they move, when they move, how they interact with each other, but it's also a language. You know, that's what an astrologer does is we interpret the language of the stars, and just just something that I guess the the universe gifted me with was the ability to to grasp language in different languages and so just I started learning Spanish then and I just never stopped and uh, it's now at a point where you know I'm 100% fluent you know I can have a fluid smooth conversation with anybody from just about anywhere uh, in Spanish and so you know it didn't happen without work but yeah I'm so jealous I think that's so cool yeah, it's hard though. I mean, so I I studied Spanish a long time ago. Was not very good at it. I studied Japanese for a little bit in college. Never got very far. And now I'm <laughs> learning German. But I, like my goal is I really really want to be fluent because my family's from Germany. So I actually huh? do have when I go home people that I can speak to and, and people that still live in Germany. So, but it's so hard. I've been doing it for six months, and granted, I know I've learned a lot, but I feel like I've made no progress in actually <laughs> being able to have a conversation. I'm like, I know some words, like I can pick up things now, but to actually string it all together and how the sentences are formed, and I'm like, man, it, I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, I got to tell you, you know, I didn't really start, I mean, I guess, I guess before I met, Esteban, um, I, w- I would have called myself fluent, but ever since, most of our relationship is in Spanish. Um, cool. And you don't really think about, like, in a relationship, how you kind of start, you have these kind of cute things you do with each other, you have these kind of funny inside jokes that you have with each other, and you just start building your relationship, and you don't really realize how much language comes into building a relationship with somebody because when I speak to him in English I don't feel like I'm talking I don't feel like I'm in our relationship when I speak to him in English it's hard to explain because all yeah all of like the cute things that we say to each other all those inside jokes they're all in Spanish and you can't translate things directly like you know it just doesn't happen that way there's just when you learn a different language it really is a completely different way of expressing an idea or a feeling and it's incredible how much language 
shapes the way you understand the world around you and approach the world around you. Because when I speak in Spanish, I really do feel like I'm in a different universe. Mm. It's hard. It's it's weird. It's weird. Um, and so, like, when I talk to him, it's I feel just weird when I talk to him in English. Yeah. Because you just don't have those, you know, those, those, uh, those funny little things. And so after I started speaking, you know, when we started dating, you know, we've been together for, for two years now, you know, in the last two years, I probably learned more Spanish than I have in the entire, you know, I don't know, God, 12, 13 years that I was studying it. So just having somebody there you can talk to and that you connect with in that language really puts you on a different level. And, you know, it's, it's. It's a pretty neat thing. Yeah. I um, I think about the whole language creating reality a lot. And um, I actually have a buddy that led a presentation this morning where he talked about um, when you even are just like thinking certain words, it mm-hmm. put like your body physiologically changes because it can't tell the difference between reality and what you have what the image that you're creating in your head and so the language that you use to create that imagery has such um a part in that projection that you create and so it is really fascinating there's a podcast that I listened to or maybe it's like an NPR thing where they talked about in the English language we I'm going to butcher this now but we speak mm-hmm. in a way where we place blame on things so like I broke my leg or mm-hmm. I got in the car accident, you know, I wrecked Mm -hmm. the car. And so there is innately um, a feeling of blame, whereas in other, you know, languages, it's like the leg got broken and there's no blame Mm -hmm. placed. And even Mm -hmm. how that emotion behind it, the subtle energy behind that sentiment, how that changes a society is really fascinating to me. And you know, what's interesting is you touch on two interesting things. Um, You know, as a Kabbalistic astrologer, uh, I integrate the the teaching and tools uh, of the wisdom of Kabbalah. And if anybody's not familiar with what Kabbalah is, um, it's a very ancient spiritual system that decodes the first five books of the Hebrew Torah. And when you decode it from uh, the original Hebrew, you gain access to the secrets of the universe. And one of the things that Kabbalah teaches is two things. It, it teaches that consciousness creates reality and words create worlds Mm. so you know for example right we're all we're all sitting in front of a microphone right and janelle i don't know if in our session i I gave you this analogy but if anybody can think about it how do you think this microphone started like what's the origin point of this microphone like what do you guys think Hmm. what's the origin point of this microphone i'm trying to think of like what's the smallest piece that I would think like a recording, some sort of recording device, not even like this specific microphone, but just the idea, uh, ear, the yes. ear. Yeah, no, you said it. You <laughs> yeah. just said it. No, you just said it. The idea. Yeah. The idea. The idea is consciousness, our consciousness, what we think, where we direct our consciousness is what creates our reality. And according to the Kabbalists, the energy of consciousness, thought consciousness, is literally the DNA of our universe. And if we can change the way we think, we can literally change the seed or the DNA of our reality. And so mm-hmm. 
a lot of what I do in my sessions and in, in, in Kabbalistic astrology is the, the focus is how do we shift the consciousness from like what you were saying, blame, which is what in Kabbalah we would refer to as uh, vessel consciousness or a consciousness that's focused on what am I getting or what am I taking? And it's shifting it into what we call a light consciousness, which is what am I sharing? What am I creating? And it's interesting, you know, in Spanish, when you say, when you want to express I'm hot, you don't say I'm hot. You literally, you say tengo calor, which translates literally to I have heat. Mm -hmm. So you're not saying that you are sort of almost. Exactly in this state no it's something that you have that's transient and that will eventually leave you but you don't take upon yourself that state of being and you're absolutely right there is something in english that ascribes a sense of uh, permanence or immovability to the consciousness of the person whereas mm -hmm. spanish is it's much more fluid it can come and it can go you know they have two versions of the past tense you know, they have a past tense that was permanent, and then they have a past tense that's kind of not so permanent, you know? Almost like in Spanish or in English when we say, I was this or I used to be this, mm. right? So there was, I was it, it's done, it's gone, and then I used to be, it's like there was a period of time where it was. So it's just what you're touching on is, is the concept of, you know, your consciousness is what creates your reality. And then your consciousness manifests Right, the seed level of of you know where do, where do your words begin? They begin as thought, mm -hmm. and you know if you change your consciousness, then you change your words, and what begins to happen is when you begin to shift how you think and how you speak, your whole universe changes. Yeah. Everything around you begins to shift, and that's why yeah. I say when I talk to you in Spanish, I'm in a different universe. Yeah. It's so cool. That is cool. Yeah. I love that concept. We talk about that quite a bit with with how you see the world and like your quote unquote paradigms and mm -hmm. how just a little shift in and a, your paradigms come from your thoughts, your experiences, obviously, and just how a little shift will change what you see in life. Like you can think about it when you have a conversation about something, let's say you're talking about I don't know, a certain type of car, all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere, right? Because it's the awareness. Oh, yeah. It's um, it, it's a change in your perspective and what you're looking for in life. And, and then eventually that changes what you get out of life or your results in life. And it's just such a small shift that starts from within can make such a huge difference. It's just like people thinking, if you think positively, generally positive things are going to happen to you. But if you're always choosing to see the negative that's going to be your reality and it's very powerful we forget how powerful mm -hmm. our thoughts are mm -hmm. our thoughts our words mm -hmm. and it's like if, if, if you take the concept of i mean it's it's kind of it's it's easy to sort of grasp if you think of it in terms of dna right if i if i take um if i take a, an apple and i take an orange right i can't turn the apple into an orange right i can't take that apple and turn it into an orange. Mm -hmm. But if I could go back to the seed of that apple or the seed of that tree, and I could genetically engineer and change the DNA of that apple seed to the DNA of an orange, I could actually end up with an orange. So if we, through you know 
personal work, spiritual work, whatever you want to call it, begin to shift our consciousness, we, we're literally playing or, or, or transforming the DNA of our reality. Um, because that is what creates, that's the seed level. It's the, the seed of what our, our manifests as our reality. <laughs> I, I would love to rewind a little bit and talk a little bit more about how you got into Kabbalistic, into being a Kabbalistic astrologer, because it's definitely, I would say it's not very common, at least from my experience. So where did that start for you, that journey? So, I mean, I guess it really began um, when I moved to Florida. Um, I, you know, I came from a background, like I said, very conservative. And growing up, growing, growing up in a place where I didn't feel like I fit in. Uh, I did not have a lot of friends. I felt alienated. Uh, I felt ostracized. Uh, I was made fun of a lot. Um, I, I was born with a cleft lip and palate. And so, you know, I look different. Um, I, I talk different. You know, when I was younger, my voice, you know, has a different sound, a more nasal kind of sound. That's a result of my cleft lip and palate. Uh, and so I was made fun of a lot for that, how I talked, how I looked. Uh, I had different, I had different, uh, I guess, uh, things that I liked, um, different preferences just in general from the people in Alabama. Not to say that they're wrong and I'm right, it's just different. And so when I got the chance to move to South Florida and literally create a new reality for myself, I jumped at the chance. And uh, I moved to Florida. I began uh, sort of rebuilding myself, starting over. And it was quite a whirlwind. Um, when you come from a conservative background and you're thrust into this place where everything's available to you and everything is new, you get kind of glamored by the false beauty <laughs> of everything that's available here yeah. um, and in anywhere. And so I went through a period of adjustment. I uh, ended up going to, to college uh, and it was in college where I started experimenting more with drugs and uh, uh, eventually I became uh, an, an addict to drugs. And uh, through the grace of the creator and one of my closest friends, uh, I eventually came off those drugs, and I was in a, a space in my early 20s where I was just looking for something that would give me something to devote my time to that would not be either drinking, smoking weed, yeah. popping pills. And so uh, in, in, in Boca Raton, which is where I live, um, we're one of the few cities in the U.S. where um, you can study at a Kabbalah Center, um, which is an international That's organization cool. that teaches um, anybody and everybody the wisdom of Kabbalah. Um, they also teach online, uh, Kabbalah.com, but uh, I started coming to the Kabbalah Center, and it was a beautiful community, and I became involved, and I just fell in love with the wisdom and what it taught, because it really vibed with my, my worldview. Uh, I just always felt that there was something more than what traditional religion or even other, I guess, new age spiritualities had to offer. It just really spoke to my soul. And when I was 23, I began studying uh, Kabbalah. Uh, backing up a little bit, I had always been interested in the metaphysical and the occult and the unseen and 
astrology was always something that I was really, really fascinated by. And so I started studying a little bit, you know, reading a few books here and there. And then when I began studying at the Kabbalah Center, uh, uh, I met a woman named Hanadinar. And uh, she said, hey, I like astrology. You like astrology? Let's study together. So we just started to self-study, she and I. Uh, I would come to her house in, in the afternoons and the evenings, and we would study. And it was pretty cool. We studied for a couple of years. And she was she was older. She was in her... Uh, early 70s, um, and she was a mentor to me in a lot of ways, both spiritually and professionally. And you know, she was by no means a professional astrologer, but she just had such a spiritual essence. She was a Leo, actually. Oh, well, the beautiful thing about Leo, yeah, you know, the beautiful thing about Leos is that you know, Leos are ruled by the sun, and you know, Leos shine light out like the sun does. They shine their creative energy out, or at least they should. They're supposed to. That's part of their work in this world. And so what Leos are capable of doing is they're capable of not only shining out their own light, but seeing the light in other people and tapping into that light and inspiring the light in others to be uh, generated outward and expressed outwardly in an authentic way. And she saw that in me. She saw the interest in astrology and she nurtured that in me. Um, unfortunately, uh, we I only had about two and a half years with her and then she passed away from cancer. And from there, I just I just started doing a few readings here and there for some friends. Uh, it wasn't until um, really, it wasn't really, I had, I had always done it semi-professionally until I met Esteban. And he said to me, he said, look, you've got a real talent and you are robbing the world of your gifts by not creating a uh, a business out of this and by not reaching out to people and offering this to them as a service this is part of what you're meant to do and i just got the chills yeah and it was i guess it was about two and a half years ago where and it was funny because hana hana wanted to start something called astro above and we were going to start this thing together and it just never panned out because she fell ill and, and left the world but I guess in honor of her, uh, I decided to call it Astral Above. Um, I wanted to change it. I, I like the, 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 the flow of Astral Above as opposed to Astro. But um, it was about two years ago that I really I really set my business you know, in play. I registered my website. I created the website. I created my social media. I started really getting out there. I started meeting people. And I really started doing readings in consults with clients and it just sort of gained momentum. Um, I've done uh, podcasts um, both in English and Spanish and this has all happened within a matter of two years. Now I've been studying for much longer than that but uh, and I've been practicing for much longer than that but you know it wasn't until I had someone who believed in me and who said this is something you must do and this is something that the world needs this is what you are meant to share and you know the, there's just a lot of lessons that i've learned from this process but you know the value not only of, of having someone who is there that believes in you but also knowing how much are you believing in other people and how much are we as individuals 
really supporting the people in our lives to live their truest north? How much are we encouraging that in other people? And I think that's what's really, truly beautiful about the show uh, is that it's kind of saying, hey, what is it that you're here to do? What is it? What is your light that you were given? You know, Kabbalistically, we're taught that the soul has a particular work that it's meant to do, a job that it's meant to complete in this world. And it comes here into a body in order to manifest all of the light that it was given and that we have right here, right now. We don't necessarily always connect to that light, but what we're really here to do is to take what's within us and really express that out and it shine that out. And what's so interesting, right? What's so interesting is that Leo and Aquarius truly are the signs of just that. It's the sign of, you know, Leo is, I I see the light that's in you. I see the light that's in me. I'm shining it out and I'm going to help you shine it out. Aquarius says, I see my individuality and I connect to my individuality and I don't care what anybody says. I am going to live my most authentic self, no matter how out there people think it is. I love that. And so. What's so beautiful, you know, about just this program and and what you guys are doing is that, you know, it's activating or pushing to activate this light within people to to create their worlds, to create their reality, but a reality that is truly based and rooted in authenticity and uh, you know i would wager to say service you know what service to humanity are we providing with our work so that's how i came to astrology that's how i came to kabbalah and that was sort of my metamorphosis (laughs) and track into becoming a a professional kabbalistic astrologer and it's been a supremely rewarding uh, path to be on and i thank the creator every day for giving me the opportunity and I pray every day that uh, I continue to maintain the appreciation for for this opportunity to share this gift with the world. Yeah, well, thank you for, I mean, thank you so much for that you know, recognition and awareness because I definitely, uh, and Rachel, I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself, but I mean, I definitely think that's a large part of what we're doing and I love the call out to finding your light and how other people can can inspire that because I, I feel, I know that's something with Rachel and I think Rachel, you've always seen your own light, but like, I feel like as an outsider, it, you can see the good that people can bring so much easier sometimes than you see it yourself because Mm -hmm. you have your own maybe self doubts or Mm -hmm. fears that are holding you back. Whereas you can look at other people and like, I think I learned so much about myself through other people sharing things that they see about me that maybe I notice, but maybe I don't give a lot of merit until other people start to almost confirm in some ways, like, Hey, you're actually really good at this, or you bring this to the people around you. And and you might think other people just do that because it's so natural to you um, that you might not even have the awareness that this is actually a gift that doesn't come natural to other people, which is really kind of interesting. I don't know if Rachel, uh, you connect with any of that. Yeah, I 
what what resonated with me well first of all as you were talking and saying that I was like this is why when we started season one we were both like we don't know I mean we think this would be cool so we're just gonna do it and after every single episode we were like not only were we so feeling so expansive and inspired but the people who got the chance to be seen and heard were just like the way they lit up was just Mm -hmm. contagious. And so we were like, when we finished season one, we were like, we absolutely have to do season two. Like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And so, and it, and then, you know, some time goes by and we have to do logistics and operations things. And we're both like, we lose steam. And then we have a conversation. We're like, Oh shit, we forgot how freaking, this is just amazing. What this space that we've created. And, and even truly we're like, even if it's just, I get lit up, Janelle gets lit up, and the the guest that we're speaking to gets lit up, we're actually okay with that being enough because if three more people in the world are then walking out into the world lit up, that's better than it was before, you know? 100%. And, and, you know, what's interesting is in Kabbalah, we talk about um, quanta and how a single small action can have this enormous ripple effect throughout the universe. I mean, we've all seen those Facebook videos, right, where it's like the the pay it forward, where the guy does something nice for this person, and then that person goes and does something nice for that person, and so on and so on and so on, and for like, I think, like 10 different people until finally the 10th person ends up doing something nice for the first guy who yeah. ended up doing the first action. But in Kabbalah, it's, it's even more kind of wild, and it says that we're all we all belong to soul clusters where i mean if you've ever seen sensei it's it's oh my gosh i'm obsessed with it so it's kind of like that but not exactly wait what is okay so i don't know what this is what is it Uh. okay so sensei is a show on netflix that only had two seasons and then a final movie it's a pretty cool show okay Uh, but these all of these souls are interconnected and they can communicate telepathically and it's just really neat but but kabbalistically the idea is that our souls the concept, uh, according to the Kabbalists, is that there's only 600,000 souls in the entire cosmos. Mm. And through lifetimes, the souls disperse into smaller and smaller and smaller sparks. And each of us has a spark from one of those 600,000 original souls. And what happens is, let's say, I do something positive. The other, I don't know. 30 people who have the other sparks of that one of the 600,000 souls feel the effects of it. If I do a positive action, it means that from a soul level, from a quantum level, that energy is vibrating through the cosmos and it's affecting the consciousness and the souls of everybody who's in my soul cluster. So even if it is just the three of us here, right? Which I'm sure it's not. But even if it is, (laughs) the light that we're revealing by discussing these type of topics is illuminating all of the other souls that are connected to our soul cluster. Mm -hmm. And somehow that message is arriving to them. And subconsciously, they they may not realize it. They become elevated. And they begin to, right now, tap into their true light. So So there's it's, it's even, like I said, more out there from the Kabbalistic perspective. But, but even if it is just us three, you know, I know that 
we're having a much greater effect on on the consciousness level, the quantum level of reality, mm-hmm. where other people that are connected to our soul are getting lit up as well. Well, and even if you take it in like a super simplistic level, like so, I am a life and soul coach, and one of the one of the concepts I often say to people when I'm like, okay, what do you want? What do you want coaching to do for you? Like at the very beginning, like what are you hoping coaching will do for you? And a lot of times people aren't really sure, like, well, there's all these areas in my life. I'm not sure where to start. I'm totally overwhelmed. And I'm like, it actually doesn't matter where you start. Just Mm -hmm. trust whichever slice of the life pie that you is calling to you, the whole thing will elevate no matter what, even if it's Mm -hmm. the smallest sliver, it doesn't matter where you start. The whole thing will elevate. It's like the, what is that rising tide will float all boats type concept. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I love that idea. I totally am there with you. And, and actually before I lose the thought, it, cause I can't, it's not, it's like coming up strong was it's not just about shining your own light, but it's about, I can't remember exactly how you just said it, but about seeing that in others and so that they can shine it too. It was something about, I think we spend a lot of time, you know, inward or outward, but for me that just landed in integration of like, you know, you shine your light and that in part is, and then paying attention to the people around you. There's an element of like, we are living alongside other people. Mm-hmm. And while yes, you know, focusing inward to be the best version of yourself you can be, or, you know, connect with your light and shine it. Um, however you want to say that it isn't just the passive action of the outpouring of that. It's also the invitation to actively see in the people around you, their potential for light, believe that they have that light, see it even through all of the shit. It's like that to mm-hmm. me is like a really interesting nugget. And when we start talking about, you know, the left side and the right side and the politics and the all the stuff, but if we really challenge ourselves and invite ourselves to be able to see that light in another human being, we all have it how does that start to shift things both within mm-hmm. ourselves and, and the world uh, that was just felt really different than the conversations we've had before, which tends to be um, more about just connecting with our own light. So I, I felt like I wanted to call that out. Well, if I could just give an interesting metaphor and, yeah. and Janelle, I think I shared this with you. Um, you have really good sign. metaphors by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I want everybody to imagine that you're sitting on planet earth and you're looking up at the moon, right? And I want you to see the moon take its orbit around the earth, right? What happens to the moon as it orbits the earth, right? It changes phase. Sometimes it's full with light, sometimes it's half full, sometimes it's a quarter, you know, a quarter full, um, sometimes it's a slice. But I, but I, but I wanna ask you all a question. Why is it that we do not see the moon always full from the perspective of the earth why do you think that is i know the answer rachel so if you want to guess (laughs) (laughs) i I didn't fully get it right the first time it makes you feel better (laughs) i mean what what i what's coming up is something about a reflection but yes yes you're, you're 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 on it you're on it the reason why we do not see the moon always full 
is because the light comes from the sun that reflects off the moon. Now, imagine if the Earth were shining out its own light. If the Earth had its own light, the moon would always be full because the moon would be reflecting out back the light that comes from the Earth. Now I want you to put yourself on the sun, right? Put your sunglasses on, put some sunblock, and sit yourself down on the sun, <laughs> right? Do you see any of the bodies in the solar system not full? Mm. No, right? None of those, not Jupiter, not the Earth, not the Moon, not Mercury. Well, I just got the chills again. <laughs> None of them are empty. Why is that? Because the sun is shining its light out. The sun shines its light out. So this is a, a metaphor that I use specifically with, with Leos and also with Cancers. But if we were 100% truly connected to the light of our soul and always shining the light of our soul out without any expectation for anything in return, without any agenda, we would never see anything wrong with anybody around us. We would only see light. Mm -hmm. And the reason why, Kabbalistically, we don't see the good in other people is because we're not manifesting and shining out our own light. Seeing something wrong in another person is not an indication that something wrong with them. It's an indication that there is a piece of this light of your soul that you have not shown out. And what does it mean to shine out the light of your soul? It means to reach out and become a creator in your life. What are you creating? How are you touching other, the souls of other people? How are you elevating, nurturing, guiding, supporting, loving the souls of other people? And the more that we enter into a spiritual process of consciously shining the light of our soul out in a way that's without agenda, that's truly unconditional, obviously with boundaries where we don't allow people to take advantage of us because we have to respect that light that's in us. That light is not ours. That light comes from the universe. It was, we, we, it's on loan to us. So we have to respect it and we can't let other people disrespect it. But the, if we're constantly shining our own light out, we will see the other little moons and bodies around us always full. And they will then come to feel that. Yeah. And they will define that. And I love that you, the point you bring of like, if you're half shining, then you you see the half shining. Like it's a great metaphor. Mm -hmm. It's such a good metaphor. I it's love powerful. it. It's it's not mine. It's it's my it's my teacher Karen Bergs. Yeah. Um, she's the spiritual leader of the center, so I'll credit uh, Karen with that. Yeah. But um, it's a it's a it's a really powerful metaphor. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me. Um, so I have a life coaching certification. It's a very intuitive based um, certification, which is why I call myself a life and soul coach, because I think a lot of what I do is actually create space for people to have conversations with their own souls, their own authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, that was the first time that I had a set of language that um, started talking about more of the subtleties that exist in the world and gave me the space to explore those subtleties for myself. Mm -hmm. And then from that, it kind of sparked me to just be interested in all these different things, um, energy, um, meditation, Shambhala, 
um, different religions, having conversations with different people from various religious backgrounds. I, I went to a few Kabbalah meetings um, and just started like soaking up this information because I was like, this is he, this stuff is really important. And what's interesting to me is how many dotted lines there are across the different forms. And by forms, I mean modalities, you know, mm-hmm. there's, okay. there's language differences, but it's in essence, very similar what these oh, things the are all saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I love is, you know, on one hand, I'm like, why don't they all just come together? But on another the part of me that is super individualistic is like, no, it's important for for some people. There are certain aspects that speak a little bit deeper or mm-hmm. or the community feels whatever that reason mm-hmm. is for people mm-hmm. to feel like they can have something that they identify with that isn't just a catch all is super important. And so the honoring of those different language forms while also understanding that underneath or above it, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of similar like love and concepts and it's just really beautiful. They all seem to really reinforce each other, even stuff from like way, 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 way back, back, back. (laughs) And (laughs) it's just so cool. Like I learned about Tantra meditation and I was like, holy crap, there are concepts of this that completely I use. I just use different language. And then a buddy of mine is a dream therapist. And so he's getting all the schooling um, to, to do that. And he's like, Oh, well that reminds me of object relative. It, it's not this. I'm like, this is what I mean. like objectivity <laughs> yeah. relative theory or something. And so it's just so cool that like the way he's hardwired, that training works for him. And the way this w- other woman was hardwired, the Tantra words work for her and the way I'm hardwired this. And for you, it's the ka- Kabbalistic. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Kabbalistic, Kabbalistic. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, all roads lead to, to I'll say heaven, I won't say Rome, but, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just understanding the, the what's, what is the one, at least from, from my, from my observation, the one common thread that tends to run through all of the world religions and spiritualities and practices is is what the golden rule love thy never as thyself is there's a um there's a, a portion in the talmud which is one of the 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 sort of dissections of the torah um in judaism and in the talmud there is a, a convert someone who converts to Judaism. And he comes to, um, there were two houses in the Talmud. One was the house of Shammai, one was the house of Hillel. And the convert goes to, he's just converted, and he goes to the house of, I believe it was Shammai, forgive me if I'm wrong, one of the two. And he says, teach me the entire Torah standing on one foot. In this one school, they were more strict. They were strict. They were they they were no nonsense. And the leader said, "What are you doing? What do you mean? Teach you the entire Torah? Don't you understand that it's a it's a it's an ocean of knowledge and wisdom? Get out! I'm not no. Get out of here." So he leaves and he goes to the other. He goes to to Hillel. And again, forgive me if I'm mixing them up. He goes to the other house, and he he comes to 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 the to the teacher, and he says, "Rav." Teach me the entire Torah standing on one foot. And he looks at him and he says, What is odious unto you, do not do to your neighbor. All the rest is commentary. 
Now go and learn. Wow. And so, so it's really powerful to understand at, at least my my understanding and take on on spirituality and self work is you ultimately want to get to a point where you're practicing love thy neighbor as thyself. It's all a tool to get there, and that to me is the common thread. And that kind of touches on you know everything that we've kind of talked about is that you know if you're if you're uh, recognizing and elevating and activating the light within another person, you're also activating the light inside yourself. Mm-hmm. It's as a result. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's just, it's, it's everything that we work towards spiritually yeah. is for that ultimate goal. Right. And that's just what you were saying, Rachel, you know, why can't we all just get together and love one another? Well, ultimately, we're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> that's the point, right. But people forget. People get lost. They get lost in the in the details and then it becomes yeah. religiosity and then people mm-hmm. get lost. So, yeah. I love that theme because even when we had our session together, one, I thought it was really interesting. Like I, we sort of talked about this, but I had no idea what to expect. I never um had any sort of like charting done and it was interesting one for the awareness piece of just like hearing all the information that you're providing to me but then also I think a lot of it is good just like check-in and like a gut check too and really most of what you shared with me I mean it does it all ties back to what we were just saying you know love other people and in turn you'll essentially love yourself and you'll find love and all, all of the above um but even though I think deep down we know that, the power of hearing it over and over again and having that being reinforced, like it, it matters. Because it does. Like I, I self-identified so much in what you were telling me. And then it's like, oh yeah, like check check yourself. So you gotta check yourself sometimes <laughs> and make sure that you're actually, you're following through and, and you're being the kind of person that you wanna be. Well, mm-hmm. and there's a difference between think like knowing something and believe or like knowing in your head and then like knowing in your body and like Mm -hmm. believing believing it and embodying Mm -hmm. that um and I think that's like that's the rub that I have with um like positive affirmations is like for sure they have a place but when they're just being repeated willy-nilly in your intellectual space I don't really that that's not making the shift that you desire. I mean, it's it's just a new thought pattern that you're you're focusing on. But when you can drop it in and actually like embody it, that totally different. Well, you've heard the the old adage: the longest foot in the world is the one between your head and your heart. Mm, yeah, you know. So it's a hundred percent true. Consciousness, consciousness is everything, and consciousness means you are actively aware in every moment of what intention you are putting in to the thoughts, words, and actions that you're taking. And if, mm-hmm. and if you, all those three things can begin to be filled with light, right? We'll call it light, you know, positive. Not, not, it's not just positivity. It's, it's an energy and a consciousness that, that literally shines out from you. It's the light of your soul. And the more you begin to integrate that, into your thoughts, your words, and your actions, that's when you really start to feel what you're talking about, Rachel, that that wholeness within you of that practice, that, yeah, that completeness. I, you know, it's not holy, H-O-L-Y. Yeah. It's holy, W-H-O-L-Y. Yeah. Whole, I, complete. 
And I appreciate the the shift on the word positive because I always catch myself like I I diligently work on catching good, bad, right, wrong, positive, negative, because the soul, when the soul is shining, that doesn't necessarily mean that the ex- the output is stereotypically positive. Like 100%. sometimes, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I just, 100%. I love that. I love that. <laughs> well, it's all very subjective, you know, um, just to, to dig a little, little deeper in the Kabbalistic teachings, you know, we're, we were born with two tendencies. It, one is called what the Kabbalists call the evil inclination and um, the desire of the soul. So the, the evil inclination or what we describe as body consciousness is give me. I want to receive. I want to take. Give me, give me, give me. It's mine, 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 mine. Whereas the soul consciousness says, I want to share. I want to create. I want to do more. And a lot of the the work, the spiritual work that that we focus on in Kabbalah is how do we create a balance, or rather, how do we allow the soul, the the consciousness of the soul, to rule over the body? And sometimes that means telling your body consciousness no. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means, no, I can't do that even though it feels really good. Yeah, I want to eat that chocolate cake. It <laughs> looks delicious. But you know what? No, I'm not going to eat it. Does it suck? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I don't want to eat these carrots and celery. Gross. But you know what? I know that ultimately, if I've decided that that's what I'm going to do to overcome my body consciousness, i got to go through that. Is it? Does it feel positive in the moment? No, <laughs> of course yeah. it doesn't. But it's like working out, no pain, no gain. You know, you can't expect to go to the gym and not feel pain and 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 get your body worked out. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, Rachel. You know, this kind of work isn't always inherently pleasant. Mm-hmm. And and you know, sometimes, honestly, and this is something that 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 uh, Rob Berg, uh, the 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 teacher of the center, has said many times. It's not always nice to be nice. That's true. true. <laughs> it is like so, 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 so true. It's not always nice to no, be No, it's not. You have to set boundaries. You have to tell yourself and people no. Yeah. Giving. I think this is something I share with you also, Janelle. There's a difference between giving and sharing, right? Many times we think, you know, I need, I need to give. I need to share. I need to give and give. It's the right thing to do, right? Everybody says that the more giving you are, the more elevated you are. Right. You shouldn't you shouldn't want so many things. It's not good to to be selfish. It's not good to want the whole world. Kabbalah says, well, that's not exactly true. We were created to receive. We were created to receive the beneficence and the light of God. And if we don't receive, we 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 rob the creator of the uh, reason why we were created in the first place. But the the idea is that you know. We were put here to shine the light out. And sometimes that shining does not mean giving. The word is sharing. We say share. We don't say give. We share. For example, would you give an alcoholic money? If an alcoholic came to you and trying to get trying to get well, would you give him money? No. Mm-hmm. You'd say, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give you that. Why? Because the true sharing action, what's truly in your best interest that I know is in your best interest of your soul is to tell you no. 
no, you are not going to have my, my money. Or tell that person who keeps uh, belittling you, you need to stop. You need to not talk to me that way. That's the true sharing action. And so, and even those moments are not comfortable. <laughs> no. They're not pleasant. They're not. But, but, yeah. but just being positive is not, it's, it's, it's not going to get us where we want to go. No, and it, it does a disservice to the other person because you're not giving them an opportunity to have a human, a real human experience. Mm-hmm. You're you're curating something for the benefit of whatever, but it's not real. And I have found that that usually creates more havoc than and cleanup than yeah. yeah than if you take the pause to actually like what actually needs to be said here and where am I being nice to avoid pain that just can actually be handled a lot simpler if we just put it on the table right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this conversation because I think it's also a call out as I'm listening and I'm taking it all in to the power of speaking less and listening more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're talking about, you know, being intentional with your words and everything that you put out there. And I think just in general as a society, we we want to share naturally and we probably don't listen as much um as we should i know i i can have that that issue or that that problem sometimes or opportunity to learn maybe i should say um but you know it does matter but so does being intentional with your words and and actually taking the time to think about what you want to say rather than just immediately speaking so it's a good check in here good pulse check for me too (laughs) yeah for all of us yeah i have a question joshua so Um, one of the things, and I'm not well-versed in Kabbalah at all. I know like (laughs) enough of the surface and Kate hairdresser, Kate is how, um, was kind of my first introduction to it because we were both talking about coaching and how excited we were. And she was like, you should look at this. Um, and so I went, when I came down to Dallas, um, I was looking for community and I think they have a pretty good, big community here. And so I went to one of their, um, it was like a new moon or a full moon yeah, event moon. that they had. Yeah. yeah. And I loved it. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is amazing. And the thing that really stood out to me more than anything was at one point, the person who was leading said, look, these are the, the tendencies that exist and you can tap into them and all this stuff. But really at the end of the day, we would rather you guys like success to us is actually if you look at the path quote unquote that was laid out for you and you buck the trend out of choice and I was like that's so cool who said (laughs) no one ever said that it's always like it's you know you we we talk about like Enneagram and and I would have put astrology into that as well of like okay what's my confines what am I working with who am I let me seek some guidance and then you know if anything feels off I know I have in the past been like, Ooh, oh gosh, what does that mean? Is there something wrong with me as this person or, <laughs> you know, but then I sit in this room and it's like, no, you bucket, you know, if it feels true, great, choose it. If it doesn't choose the opposite. The point mm-hmm. is you choose it. And I just, yeah. I love that message. Well, one of the, if not the defining uh, separation or, or distinguishing factor between contemporary, conventional, traditional, any other forms of astrology and Kabbalistic astrology is that we say your destiny is not preordained. Mm, it is, like 
but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> you can change it. And what does that mean? Right? You ask any other astrologer, any other astrologer in the world, and they're going to say, nope, what is written in the chart is what is going to happen. And the answer from the Kabbalist is, nope. Sorry. Yeah. Actually, I want to speak out of both sides of my mouth. Yes and no. It <laughs> is and it isn't. Okay? <laughs> Let me explain. We were born with free will. What does that mean? What does that mean, free will? Many people think free will means I have the ability to do whatever I want, when I want, how I want, and how I see fit. No. Wrong. That is not free will. That was going to be my answer. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong again, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Free will is the ability to say no to your desire. Free will. What distinguishes, you know, in Kabbalah, there are four levels of existence. There's the mineral, which is inanimate. There's the plant. There's the animal. And then there's human. What is it that sets human humans apart from all of the other kingdoms spiritually and the answer is that only the human has the ability to say no to his or her desire and a, a dog cannot absolutely cannot if he wants to eat say no i'm not going to eat mm -hmm. a plant if it cannot say to itself, you know what, I'm not going to put fruit out this season. Eh, I'm going to go on vacation instead. The plant can't do that, right? The desk that we're all sitting at cannot say, you know what, I'm not going to hold your stuff up today. I got to go for a walk, right? Yep. Only humans, only the human kingdom has the ability to, in the moment when you most want something, to say, mm, you know what? It's better than I not. And so what's interesting about Kabbalistic astrology is that if you don't have the capacity to say no to your desire, that movie that was written in your chart is going to play out. If you don't have the ability to control yourself with your consciousness, everything that's written in that chart that's what's going to happen to you. But if you're able through true spiritual work, whatever that means for you, mm -hmm. to elevate your consciousness and understand yourself, right? Let's say you have a person who in the chart has Aries moon. Okay, this person was born with Aries moon. The moon is the way the person uh, reacts. It's what triggers them. And Aries is a fire sign. It's a sign of war. So, the moon in Aries means the person is triggered very easily and reacts in anger very quickly. So if the person is not conscious that that is their tendency, and they do not consciously say no to that desire to get angry every time they don't get what they want, then yeah, they're going to fight with people, they're going to cause problems in their relationships, and everything about that Aries moon that's written when they were born and the moon typically tends to uh talk about um the more negative 
um, aspects of, of, of what manifests in the person because it's how the person becomes reactive. And all of those things are going to play out. But if that person is conscious and that person is aware and that person says, "You wait, hang on one second. In this moment, I want to get angry. But I know that that's not the right way for me to, to, to react to this. Anger is not going to get me what I want. Anger is actually going to separate me more from what I want. Mm. Even though in the moment, I really want to get angry. And I really want, I have a desire to lash out. I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I am instead going to say no to my desire to get angry. And I'm going to transform that into something like, like, let's say patience, let's say forgiveness, right? So if the person has the ability to consciously look at the things in their chart and transform them, they can rise above anything that's written in that chart. And so that, what you were talking about, Rachel, you know, in the new moon, the reason why the new moon is so powerful is because it's the seed level of the entire month. The, the months mm. in the Hebrew calendar are determined by the lunation. So from new moon to new moon, you have a whole new month. And the seed level, what's going to happen in that month is determined by your words, your thoughts, words, and actions on the day of the new moon. So the new moon, the day of the new moon, is like a little microcosm of that entire 30-day cycle. So whatever intention you set, whatever selfish desire you manage to transform, you can actually transform the energy of the entire month. That's why we put so much focus on the new moons in Kabbalah, uh, is because it truly is the seed level of being able to control your reality by controlling your consciousness. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so unique, which Aquarians love. <laughs> yeah, I know, of course. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so Joshua. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Joshua, I have a question for you. You mentioned, just you said, you know, you use it to understand yourself. And I'm just curious, since you started getting into this practice and, and studying this, how have you used astrology to better understand yourself because that was after we had our session um, a little background I'm sure y'all have picked up on it but we had a session and one of my questions I kind of debriefed with Rachel just because she has a lot more knowledge on this than I do too and I said you know I connected and I aligned with a lot of it and it brought a lot of awareness to me but now I'm like okay this is a tool right that can help me learn more about myself but how do I, like, what do I do with it? How do I turn this into action? So I'd just be curious from your perspective how you use astrology and even like even your day-to-day -day and how it affects you. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting question. Yeah. Uh, many astrologers, and I mean myself included, are, are always watching where the planets are. And from the perspective of... Uh, the student of, of Kabbalah, we understand that we can never, ever, ever blame the planets for what's happening. Mm -hmm. We commit to taking 100% responsibility to the be, be the creators in our lives. So for me, the, the understanding of my own natal chart is crucial 
and understanding what it is exactly I came here to change. So for example, I'm a Libra. So I know that one of the biggest things that I came here to work on is relationships. Because Libra is the sign of relationships, which means that for me, everything in my spiritual work revolves around creating, maintaining, and sustaining balanced, honest relationships. And as I go through my life, I, I always have this in my mind that I have to keep that balance between me and the other person. What is it that's okay for, you know, where do, where do my rights begin and where do the other persons begin? And how do we respect both of those? Whereas typically Libra can be very, very people-pleasing. They're like, oh, yes, whatever you want. Because Libras like to feel, Libras uh, understand themselves by what other people reflect back to them. So many Libras tend to please other people so that they'll get that positive affirmation back from people. So that they'll feel good about themselves. So for me in my daily life, I know that I can't be in any kind of consciousness of wanting to please anybody for the sake of me wanting to feel validated. Yeah. Thank you. And so, and so I know that let's say if I'm watching the transits, okay. And I'm watching where the planets are and I know what's going on. I can say, okay, yes, I know that, uh, today we'll just go back to it today. The moon's in Aries. Okay. So that means that everybody, or if, it, if, it, if the, the transiting moon hits a sensitive area in your own chart, um, for me it would be because it's, uh, Aries is the opposite sign of Libra, so the moon would be in opposition to my, both my sun and moon. Uh, so there's more likelihood for confrontation when the moon is in Aries. So I have to know that when the moon is in Aries, I can't say, oh, I got into a fight today because the moon's in Aries. I got into a bad argument because the moon's in Aries. No. Who's responsible for my world and my reality? Me. I have to know that if there was some sort of conflict, if there was some sort of fight that did get started, it is my responsibility to handle it in a way that both respects the other person and yet also respects me. And so the way I look at it and the way I utilize astrology on a daily basis is say, how can I maintain myself in the driver's seat of my life? Whereas other people, and, and look, I don't mean to bash any other schools of astrology or, or any other, anything. I don't mean to do that. But there is a difference. And the main difference is that in Kabbalistic astrology and in Kabbalah, we're here to be conscious. Yeah. We're here to live consciously. So I can't place blame. And it kind of goes back to English, right? <laughs> when we're talking yeah. about the English language. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't blame anything. Yeah. I'm not here to be a passive vessel of what's going on outside of me. No. I'm here to proactively shine my light no matter what is going on outside of me. I like that ownership a lot that comes with 100%. it. 100%. I think that's really important. Oh, yeah. So that's how I use it. I hope that answers the yeah, question. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and it's it was a huge question that 
I have always had when it comes to any of these predetermined things of like, and I call it discernment, but I I love the invitation of you're looking at this and really that can be applied to pretty much anything that you would get a gauge on from a predetermined set of, you know, um, models is taking responsibility for the information. I, when I was in Milwaukee, I had an intuitive massage and I fully gave myself over to that massage and everything that she said for about 24 hours afterwards, I was just like, Oh my gosh, some things didn't land. Some things totally did. And it was a little jarring for me um, as somebody who tends to use like a lot of discernment for myself to check in of like what feels like my truth. And, um, and I came out, you know, 48 hours later being like, Oh yeah, that's, that's one perspective. That's a set of information. And I have a responsibility to own, to own whatever I want from that and to take whatever I want from that to be responsible for my life and who I am being. And so, um, it's just, I find it interesting that there aren't more, um, I don't know, there aren't more, I can't think of the right word. It's not modalities, but aren't more um, schools, schools, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that have that element inherently in it. Because isn't that the point? Like the point is that we're trying to get yeah. our know ourselves. But if at the end of the day we're getting to know ourselves through a mathematical equation or a set of a modeling that is outside of ourselves, then that's where there's always been a miss for me. And so. I, I guess I'm, I, I don't really know how, I, what the end to that thought is. I'm just kind of contemplating how is it possible that no other <laughs> schools have integrated that aspect. That feels like a really important one. So it's, I mean, it really is the, in, in my estimation, one of truly the defining tenets of both Kabbalah and Kabbalistic astrology is that we are here to be like the creator. That's our purpose. We are here to be like God. What does that mean? What does God do? Very simply, God shares infinitely without stopping. Now, why don't we feel it? That's a whole other story. Okay, that's that's because we, for one reason or another, blocked that light, and the blockage is what's making us not feel that light or, or feel that chaos. So we have to own that. We have to own that blockage. We have to own that situation. Even if we are absolutely, purely, purely, truly, and honestly a victim of circumstance. Even if we are truly and honestly a victim of circumstance. It is part of our inheritance as human beings to be able to take any situation, whatever it is, whether it be simple and easy or truly... um, truly very, very difficult and traumatic, and transform that and transform ourselves and not on an extended basis allow ourselves to remain in that victim state. Mm-hmm. We're here totally. to become creators. Yeah. And and that is, you know, we cannot in, in astrology look at a chart and say, well, that's it. You know, I'm a Libra. That means I'm just going to be people pleasing all my yeah. life. Yeah, I'm or like give an, <laughs> yeah, or like give yourself the excuse. You know, well, it's yeah. just because that's how I am, and now yeah. I can just like 
you know, get, have right. a cop out. Right, right. No, you're not permitted. Yeah. <laughs> so, <Sorry>. Joshua, Joshua, <laughs> when you when you read your natal chart and and it, you know, told you these predetermined things, was there anything in there that you were like, nope, that does not fit, or was well, all like, how does that work? <laughs> so I want I do want to clarify something. Yeah. Um, I do not read my own chart. Okay, right. It is it is not recommended uh, to for anybody. While you can use your chart as a study tool, mm-hmm. you need you need what's called circuitry, and circuitry okay. means that you've got a like in a light bulb, right? Mm-hmm. You've got an energy. You've got the positive pole that provides the electricity that shares the electricity, and you've got the negative pole that draws the electricity. So you've got the energy of sharing. And you've got the energy of receiving. What balances the two is the filament in between. Okay. A person who attempts to read their own chart, you are blinded by your own desires. Mm -hmm. And you end up seeing what you want to see because Ah, it's what you want to see. So you need circuitry, right? You need there to be because circuitry reveals light. That's why the light bulb shines light. So if you have one person who's sharing the information, one person who's receiving it, the words and the communication that are exchanged are like the filament, and that's what reveals the light. That's what creates awareness in the, in the, in the person. Now, have I gotten uh, readings of any kind and said, that doesn't land? Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> what do you do? Now, so, so I do one of two things. First of all, what I do is I genuinely do, I, I, you know, metaphorically throw myself to the ground and say, is this true? Mm-hmm. Is this something that, because our, our desires blind us to yeah. a lot of our blockages. Yeah. And yeah, so like, am I saying this isn't something because I don't want to see it or is it really not And like, okay, got it. Yep. And so, you know, one of the challenges and, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, one of the challenges that you get when you're dealing with certain readers is sometimes the reader is not necessarily coming from a pure consciousness. Mm -hmm. They're not coming from just a pure place of wanting to channel information. Their ego is not involved. Yeah. Right. And so that's typically where you're going to be like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. You know, it, if like, for example, right, like, Janelle, I asked you a question I remember in our reading had to do with your moon. And you said, well, you know, not now, but in the past I did. So what did I do? I I flowed with it. I wasn't like, no, you know what, Janelle, sorry, you're wrong. You're feeling this. No, <laughs> I'm the astrologer and I'm right. And I'm going to tell you what your life yeah. is like. Right. <laughs> So the astrology chart is not a crystal ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is a set of potentialities that with our individual free will, we decide what of those potentialities plays out. Mm-hmm. So so to go back, what I do is I, I ask myself, is this really something that's going on? And if I find yes, then I own it. I say, okay, I got to work on that. If I don't, then I don't hold on to it. I let it go. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And and any reader, any reader who, you know, says something that doesn't land and they don't try and dig deeper to understand what's there, then it's probably not somebody who's either very experienced or it's somebody who really doesn't understand or have the right consciousness of really what it is you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, my the only reason why I work with clients is because I want to turn on that light. That's all. I just want to turn on the light in the soul. That's all I want to do. I don't, you know, obviously there has to be an exchange of money uh, mm-hmm. because if there's not, then, you know, it's, there's a concept in Kabbalah called, it's, it's a complex concept, but it's called bread of shame. Lechem um, bizayon is how you say it in Aramaic. And uh, it is the feeling of uh, shame or resentment that somebody begins to feel when they receive something they haven't earned. So there has to always be some sort of exchange with anything, with anything in life. Yeah. Right. I need, I needed this concept so bad. (laughs) Rachel, I was thinking of you. (laughs) Janelle and I just had like this really long Marco Polo exchange and like about this, because I, I am so comfortable playing, being sitting across from somebody and I mean, for lack of a better word, helping them shine their light. And it feels so innate to me that I'm like, shouldn't everybody just get this? Like, shouldn't they just, everybody just be able to receive this? And yet I know like, yes, there should be an exchange, but so keep going. Cause I'm like, um, I, of course the universe is delivering this to me. Right? <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for opening up Rachel. Cause I was like, I'm not going to say it for you, but I was thinking that too. <laughs> Cool. Cool. All right. So we're, we're tapping into something. I like yeah. it. So, so yeah, so there has to be an exchange, but, but my whole, my whole goal as a reader is very simple. I want to turn on the light in your soul. That's all. And if I say something that, you know, if I look at the chart and I ask, you know, is this something that's happening and it doesn't land? That's okay. It's not, a, it's, it's not, it doesn't bruise my ego because I do everything I can to not get my ego involved because it's not about me. Yeah. You know, I, I also go through a, uh, a, uh, I try to go through as, as often as I can a cleansing process where um, I, I burn sage, I light incense, I light candles, I ask um, the souls of the righteous to be with me. I read from the Zohar, which is the, the principal book of, of Kabbalistic knowledge, which is truly a tool for drawing spiritual energy more so than, than simply a book, which you remember, Janelle, we did. Uh, and I do all these things because it's an, it's an opportunity for me and it's a necessity for me to push my ego out of the way. Because how in the world am I supposed to deliver a message to my client if my ego is in the way, right? Mm-hmm. So so that's, that is, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Yeah. But that's, you know, that's, that's, that's how I look at it. Um, yeah. There has to be an ebb and flow, you know, uh, unless you're just truly, purely, honestly, a pure channel and psychic. And those do exist. Those people do exist. But, uh, you know, there's always got to be an ebb and flow between the reader and the, uh, and, and the, uh, the client, but you know, another interesting thing, just that I'll mention quickly, is that many times, you know, we talked about words create worlds, right? Remember we said that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes what will happen is you'll get a reader 
who uh, will see something in a chart and will definitively say A, B, C, D is going to happen to you two years from now. Now, let me tell you something. It's not just, um, what is it called, when, when the person... Um, uh, when the person has the idea and then they end up creating it themselves. What is that called? Oh, yeah. You know is, it, is it projection? No, no, no. Or self-fulfilling uh, prophecy? It's not a self... <laughs> One second. <laughs> it's not a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is the fact that that reader's words that were spoken definitively created a reality for that person. Yeah. And that person may not have ever needed to go through that reality. Right. So you have to be very cautious spiritually when you decide to go to a reader. Because number one, you don't know where that reader is drawing their 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 light or their, their energy from. Number two, you don't know if their ego is in the way. And number three, you don't know if they're going to say something and create a reality for you that, mm. you know, while you do have the opportunity to change it, because I'll tell you something, I went to a tarot reader Mm, how long ago was it? Gosh, maybe seven years ago. It was when I was around the age of 27, and I'm 34 now. And I went to the reader, and she was a tarot reader. I went to this, like, fair thing. And so she laid out the cards, and she said some stuff that really landed. And she said, I see you're practicing this amazing wisdom. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's called Kabbalah. She says, wow, you know, you're, you're, you're really good at it. And she said, you know, you're going to be there. And then when you turn 32, you're going to leave. And I thought to myself, I said, well, I said, I got a little nervous about it. And I said, well, you know, okay. okay. And uh, needless to say, I'm 34 and I didn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now let me tell you something. I could have very much, very, very much fallen into a reality where that did happen. But I'll tell you something. There's, there's there's an interesting thing you can do with dreams. Dreams are, are messages from the upper world sometimes, depending on, you know, what time you have them, what the subject matter is. I, we won't go into that. But um, there's a way in Kabbalah where if it is truly a message, you can cancel it. So I did have a dream where it was the, the universe was showing me that my path was about to change. And it wasn't for the best. And I canceled the dream. And when you cancel the dream, you cancel that that decree that comes from the upper world. A dream, how, many times, can be a decree. How, that comes how do from you the, do that? How do you can? It's it is a series yeah, of prayers. Yeah. How do I cancel? That, okay. So <laughs> okay. well, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's you 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 need to do it with um. It's a series of prayers that you do with three judges, and they have to sit before you, and they say some things in Hebrew. You say some other things oh. in Hebrew, and you cancel it. So it's a little more it's a little okay. more involved than just you know you're not going to burn some sage and change your life. <laughs> That's not how it works. What? I've been wasting all that money on sage. Oh my god. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So I mean, anyway, the the point I'm trying to make is is that you do have to be careful of readers that you go to because they can inadvertently create a reality that should not have been part of your path and you want to seek out if you do want to experience a a a reading from someone you need to seek out people who seek to reduce their ego who seek to clear out the channel 
and uh, who you're confident draw their information from a place of light and not from a place of ego. So, you know, that's how you can kind of get around some of those things in the the metaphysical world. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting for me. I, um, I utilize like as as much self-awareness as possible. So, and discernment. And so it's like, if I choose to do something and I'm getting like a hit of like, this might not be exactly the person. And then I choose to do it. It's like really just constantly saying, staying present to my experience and what I want to do in this moment, in this moment, in this moment. And so if all of a sudden then I, I still choose to go through the door and talk to the, the to the reader who is coming from a place of ego, I, I then practice, okay, coming back to me and saying, okay, I'm here. I chose to come even though my intuition told me not to. What is there for me to learn in this situation? So it's like a play by play of like, okay, I am here. And so there's something to learn. I'm here. And so there's something to learn. I'm here. And so there's something to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, Every step of the way, that's kind of how I now play so that I'm not like so worried if I knew I wasn't supposed to go through that door and I did it anyways. And I'm not Mm -hmm. then beating myself up or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. I like to call it to to ego too, just because Mm -hmm. I think everything you've been saying, Joshua is how are you not only shining your own light, but in turn that light is being shined on others and you can see their light. And I feel like ego is one of the quickest ways to diminish that. Too. It mm-hmm. is. It is. It is. It is the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is the way yeah. to diminish it. It's, yeah. I mean, everything that blocks our highest good from manifesting, everything, or rather, that is blocked, um, is rooted in one very simple energy force, and it's ego. Yeah. It's selfishness. It's there are moments and places in my consciousness where I put myself, my selfishness, my my vessel, what we call vessel consciousness, my desire to receive from myself alone before my desire to shine my light and share my light. And that's rooted purely in ego. And that is what blocks us from accessing our light, from shining our light, and from manifesting our light. Um, yeah. So, yeah, powerful stuff. Um, When you, I love asking this question because I think it's a really hard one to answer. (laughs) Um, When you, you know, are throwing yourself on the ground, asking if this is your truth after you've heard something that maybe wasn't, or if you're discerning between your ego and non-ego, and sometimes I feel like that can be obvious, but how do you know when the voice is coming or like when your answers are coming from a place of your light? I'm just going to say your light in the, for the sake of the conversation, um, versus not, because sometimes it can be really tricky to tell the difference. And so I'm curious for you, how, you know, and how did you get to a place where you could recognize that difference for yourself? So, okay. So what I really, really love about Kabbalah is that it puts this answer in very simple terms. Cool. And it's a super easy question to answer. And I'm so glad you <laughs> so glad you asked it. But only once you've learned Kabbalah. Otherwise it's super confusing. Okay. We talked about we have two levels of our consciousness. 
right? We have our soul consciousness, which is our desire to share and create. We have our body consciousness, our vessel consciousness, which is our desire to receive and take. Okay? Both of those consciousness energies whisper thoughts in our head. Okay? The voice of your body consciousness, your vessel consciousness, which is truly where the ego takes hold. Mm -hmm. I want you to imagine it's like a blasting, blaring radio station. Right? It's as set on as loud as it can. And what does it tell you to do? Take. Take only for you and for nobody else. There's another station, the station, this, the, the voice of your soul, and it's set really low. Mm-hmm. It whispers to you. And what does it tell you to do? It tells you to go against that desire to take and instead shine out your light. Okay? For example, let's say I'm in a moment where I, we're going to pick on this again just because it's an easy, it's an easy way to understand it. I want to get angry. Okay. This person disrespected me. Right. And let's say they truly did. They disrespected me. Right. So I've got two voices in my head. Okay. One is yelling, get angry, get angry, yell, scream, punch him in the face, you know. (laughs) And then there's another voice that says, no, assertively assert, (laughs) actively (laughs) assert your rights in this situation, but at the same time respect theirs and create a boundary. So the simple answer is, is how do you know? The voice that tells you to share and shine your light is the one that you know is the true voice. The voice that tells you to take only for you is the way to (laughs) ruin, is the way to creating more chaos. So how do I know? Through spiritual practice, spiritual uh, cleansing, you manage to turn down the volume on the radio station that tells you to take only for you, and you turn up the volume on the station that tells you to share and create. Mm. And you begin, and it takes time. It's not something that, that just, boom, okay, there you go. You turn the knobs. It doesn't, it doesn't happen that quickly. you got to earn it, right? We talked about it. You've got to earn turning down that, that, that selfish station and turning up the, we'll call it, light station, right? Because I don't want us to be confused because somebody could say, well, I've got this voice that's telling me to give. Right. right? No. Sometimes... Your, your selfish consciousness is telling you to give, right? Oh. Well, I better go and, you know, they disrespected me, but I better go and make up with them because I don't want them to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. I don't want them, so let me go give to them. No, absolutely not. The one that says, I'm going to go to you and I'm going to say, listen, I don't appreciate what you said to me. I don't like it. Um, I respect you as an individual, but I also respect myself. And I'm going to respectfully and, and, and right here ask you, do not ever talk to me that way again. I respect you. I respect you as a person. I am here. I will treat you with human dignity. But I'm going to tell you right now, you will not speak to me that way. You, you will respect me. You will not treat me. You will not do this to me again. And so obviously I'm not yelling at the person. I'm not making them feel bad. But what am I doing? I'm simultaneously respecting them 
and I'm respecting me, right? I'm respecting their light, and I'm also respecting my light. That's sharing. That's light consciousness, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just giving, and it's not just running away. It's not just running away and saying, oh, you know, I'll just wait until tomorrow and everything. And then you haven't created any kind of boundary. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so does that answer your question? Yeah. And I, I, I love asking it because it, I, there's a different answer for everybody. And for me, it's something that I'm constantly paying attention to for myself and honing and encouraging my clients to do the same. And right now, I, I love the words that you put. What I heard in in it was um, the intention behind behind it you know is it coming from a place of fear or is it coming from a place of what would love do and not the love that's like the nice love but (laughs) unconditional pure raw love what Mm -hmm. would love do um Mm -hmm. and for me what I I do hear two voices the one that tends to be my inner truth is what I call it comes actually from below and um it's usually the feeling, it's a very different feeling than the one that comes from my head that feels hot. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I really play with, as I'm going through my, my days and I'm taking the actions, you know, where did that come from? What was the actual energetic intention behind that action and where did it come from and what did it feel like so that I can start to I, there's all these inroads to awareness for myself through, to your point, the physical body, but then also, you know, the energetic body or the soul body. Mm-hmm. And the more that I can pay attention to how my vessel works and how my soul works, the more I have to play with um, and almost catch myself because my brain, our brains are so smart. They like catch on and they like <laughs> reprogram really quickly. Uh-huh. And so the more that I can find ways of getting at unknowing that's beyond just the mind for me has been how I've been able to catch myself and slow down and listen a little bit more, even though I might be like already stepping towards, you know, the punch, you know, or like the yell, (laughs) you know? And so then I'm like, Oh, 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 wait, wait, there's something else here. So yeah, for me, it's very much a feeling. And then with that feeling an invitation to check in with um, what is the intention behind this next action that you're about to take or what's the intention behind that voice? What does that feel like? What is that getting you? Um, and then that gives me more information for where, for where it's coming from. Janelle, do you have anything that, that is a truth for you in terms of how you know if your inner truth is speaking or it's your ego? Yeah. You know, for me, I feel like I'm still, I mean, we're all learning, but Mm -hmm. I find a lot of times for me, it's how I feel afterwards, which is is challenging because leading up to it, you want to feel that gut check. I mean, I think we all have a sense of intuition and I, I definitely have that and I listen to it. Um, but a lot of times I feel like I best know when I've leaned into that lightness or that, that subtle whisper afterwards because I just, I feel this sense of like calm or peace or even just acceptance over whatever the scenario was versus if I didn't handle it or it came from a place of ego, it does definitely doesn't feel like that way. A lot of times there's guilt, there's shame, there's a lot of replaying things over and over in my head. Whereas when I really know that I'm standing in, in what I believe and who I want to be, 
it's just it just feels good at the end of it like I feel yeah okay like there's no response it's just acceptance and it is what it yeah. is mm-hmm. um, so I, that's what I find I love that I mean that's what I do too it's like a lot of times hindsight's 2020 yeah. is that the right expression yeah. okay I was gonna say 50 50 I was like that's right <laughs> <laughs> um but I mean, I think that's how I first started learning too. Or and and that's even now how I still sometimes pay attention. If I all of a sudden end up in a place where I'm feeling really gross, I'm like, okay, what just happened that like that I wasn't listening to? Or you know, and so I think the retroactive like scientific observer, I love that approach to to learning because we have all these. I mean. I, I can never remember how old you are, but you know, over 25 years of information that we can glean from and our body remembers things. And so mm-hmm. we can actually tap into those moments and then see like, where was I and where was I coming from? And if we can do it from a really gentle place, there's a wealth of information that we can get. And, and what's so interesting is uh, spiritually, uh, we have to fall. You know what I mean? We have to fall into those ego moments because there is there's light there. There's yeah. light that's meant to be elevated in those moments. Whether you call it, you know, an awareness, whether you call it a lesson, whatever it means, it's that you're you are you are never, you are rarely <laughs> going to see people who are quote unquote righteous who never fell. Yeah. You know, you're you're just not because we have spiritually we there are there are only lessons there are certain lessons that we can only learn by falling. Yeah. And sometimes it's and it's okay. And it's not something to beat yourself up about, it's something to feel guilty about. It's like, okay, so I fell into this, my ego got the best of me. How can I take the light out of that situation? And of course, move forward and have a, a, a greater sense of consciousness around moments like that, you know, those triggers, and say, okay, next time I'll be a little more wiser, I'll behave differently. So, but we have to fall, you know, we have to go into those moments. It's part yeah. of the process. Lots of I love it. Invitation. <laughs> the invitation that there's, yeah, that there's light in the fall. Like, we totally try to avoid it, and that's missing a huge part of existence yeah i I mean obviously you know everything with balance right i mean obviously go out and be like okay well i can be as shitty as i want to and you know that's okay i'll just learn my lesson no okay not that either (laughs) yeah but again again where's the intention behind it and Mm -hmm. which voice are you listening to in that decision and if you're Mm -hmm. doing that not from a place of choice then then that's not actually what we're talking about you know yeah, I think the example too, it, it takes fear into consideration because if you're not as afraid of that fall, and yes, it has to come from the right intention, but if you're not fearful of it, then you're just able to experience what you need to experience, learn what you need to learn, and move on. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's something, at least in my life, it's just like, oh, yep, fell. Okay, move on, learn from it. Oh, fell. Oh, just fell again. Okay, keep. Okay, yep, up, oh, well, fall. It, it, <laughs> there's another interesting thing. There's there in, in Kabbalah, there's two aspects of the ego. There's the one that whispers or yells those words that tells you to go with the ego consciousness and then causes you to fall and then there's the other aspect of it that makes you feel bad about it mm-hmm. that makes you beat yourself up oh. they're both egos they're both aspects of the same thing and so so it's understanding that okay i fell 
yep, I feel bad about this, but you know what? It's part of my process. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna pick myself back up. I'm gonna learn from this and I'm going to commit myself to at least making the effort to do it better next time. And the more you commit to that consciousness, the more you begin to move forward with that, just you'll naturally start to not fall as much because it's in your consciousness. Like you say, uh, Rachel, it's it's in your intention. Yeah, I think we need to learn that sooner in life because it took me a long time yeah. to learn that. And no one, no one ever <laughs> teaches you that. It's just like, oh, this is right, this is wrong, which we know now, at least in, yeah. I think in this room, like that's not... That's not the case. And then you just, there's so much shame and yeah, beating mm-hmm. yourself up over things that you're just learning. You're just a human being who's going through life and it, you know, you're going to move forward from it. It's okay. That's like, well, yeah. think of it this way. When you're beating yourself up, who are you involved with? Me. You're involved with yourself. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you're only, you're only, oh, me. Oh, why did I do that? Why did I was so stupid? Yeah. I, me, me. My ego and no. I went for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pick yourself up, you let it go, and you move on, and you learn from it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. This uh, has been great. I know. I've enjoyed so, it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Joshua, Joshua, what, um, how do you live your true north and stay living your true north? I'll sum it up in one word. Okay. Certainty. Whoa. is not what I thought you were going to say at all. Certainty. What do I mean by that? I understand that there is a energy and a force that is higher than me. And I understand that that force has its hand in every breath I take, every move I make, he's watching me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm really glad you went with that because I was like, like that? <laughs> um, uh, that was totally absent. Um, but no, but seriously, I understand that that force is always there. And even in moments where I may not be able to see it, I understand that it's just concealed. And in the moments that are difficult, I have absolute certainty that no matter what it is I'm going through, whether it's amazing and things are happening and things are manifesting and I'm getting everything that I've ever dreamed of or things are bad, it's painful, it's hard, I understand that either way, it is ultimately leading me to my highest good. And it is there for my personal spiritual development and growth and it is all part of what we call divine providence that these things are coming to me to give me an opportunity to shine my light and live my true north that in any situation i have the certainty that it is there for my highest good and that's how i live it is with certainty i like that i I have always called it a trust muscle. I got that from my mentor, but I like certainty. (laughs) I like certainty. And I like that you said one word and then said many words. I appreciate that. I like the follow-up. Me too. It was, I do too. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah Joshua if anyone wants to reach out to you learn a little bit more about what you do maybe actually work with you is there a good place that they can do that 
Yeah, so my website is astralabove.com. That's A-S-T-R-A-L-A-B-O-V-E.com. Uh, all of my, uh, I, I write a, a monthly uh, blog, which I call my astral articles, where I do, uh, I talk about the energy of the new moon, like we just talked about. Also provide horoscopes for each of the signs. And then I also uh, have a very active social media, both on Instagram and Facebook, a little bit on Twitter, a little bit on Tumblr, but I'm not as active there, but much more active on Instagram and Tumblr, and I'm sorry, Instagram and Facebook, and that's uh, at Astral Above. So you can contact me there. You can register for a session with me on my website. You just go to astralabove.com and click on consultations at the top. Uh, so uh, I offer everything from uh, natal chart consultations, understanding really what your true north is, what you came here to do, what are your talents, how do we magnify them, what are your challenges, how do we overcome them. Uh, also, we can look at relationship astrology, we can look at career and money, we can do uh, the astrology of selecting a prime date to begin an endeavor. Uh, called electional astrology and then i also do something called horary astrology where it's the astrology of answering a question so if you just got a simple question and you just need it answered then we can do a chart for that moment and i can tell you if it's affirmative or negative Ooh. so all that's on my website astralabove.com and then of course you know if you want to follow me on social media um you can follow me on instagram and facebook and then if you're twitter and tumblr you can do that too it's all astral above cool cool by the way, my boyfriend really you, wants to do a natal chart reading with you, so I have to send him yeah, your way. Sign him up. Yeah. I'm not, what's the sign? I forget. He is a Scorpio. I only do Yeah, that's Scorpios. right. Yeah, for your Scorpio <laughs> mover. That's right. That's right. <laughs> not yeah. intentionally. Yeah, what did you say? I said I said I only date Scorpios, but then I said not intentionally. <laughs> okay, my boyfriend's a Scorpio, too. Ah, uh, see, yeah. You know what it's like. <laughs> Cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Joshua. We yeah, really appreciate yeah. you. You're amazing. The time. And yeah, thank you. This will not be uh, the last you'll hear from us, I'm sure. No. <laughs> <laughs> this has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, you can check us out at the True North Collective underscore on Instagram. And we would really, really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Otherwise, that's all from us. Until next time. <laughs>